Chapter 31 of A Cousin's Conspiracy, or A Boy's Struggle for an Inheritance, by Horatio Alger, Jr. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Abigail Rasmussen. Chapter 31. The Advertisement. If there was anyone of whom Tom Burns stood in fear, it was Luke Robbins. When he found himself in the grasp of his dreaded enemy, he grew weak with terror. It was no longer a question of successful robbery. It was a matter of personal safety. "'Well, what have you to say for yourself?' demanded Luke, tightening his grasp. "'Have mercy on me, Mr. Robbins. Don't kill me!' ejaculated Burns, half-choked. "'What did you come here for?' "'I—I I had no money, and—' "'You thought you could get some here?' "'Yes,' faltered Burns. You thought you would be more than a match for the boy. Well, you have no boy to deal with. I know that very well, confessed Burns. How long have you been in Orville? I only came this morning. You have improved your time, said Luke dryly. You have stolen a gold watch besides making this attempt at robbery. Tom Burns could not deny it, though he was surprised at Luke's knowledge. Hand over that watch said Luke in a tone of authority. "'Will you let me go if I do? I will make no conditions with you. Hand over the watch.' Burns drew it from his inside pocket and handed it over. "'Humph! So far so good. Now, how about that dollar you took to buy eggs?' "'It is the only money I have, except a few pennies. Please let me keep it.' "'If I tell what you have done to the miners, you won't need any more money.' said Luke grimly. "'Why not?' asked Burns, trembling. "'Why not?' repeated Luke. "'Because they will hang you to the nearest tree. You won't need to trouble about money matters after that.' "'You won't give me up, Mr. Robbins,' pleaded Burns, in an agony of terror. "'I—I'm not fit to die. Besides, I am a young man. I'm not yet forty. I will turn over a new leaf.' "'It's high time you did. It is long time since you earned an honest living.' I know it, Mr. Robbins. I have been a bad man, but it is not too late to reform. If you'll let me go, I will leave Orville tonight, and I will never trouble you again. It isn't me you have troubled. It is the boy. You have robbed him, or tried to do it, at Oak Forks, and now you have turned up here. I didn't know he was here. You didn't know I was here, or I think you would have given the place a wide berth. I am very sorry for what I did, and if you'll only spare my life, I'll promise to reform. I haven't much faith in your promises, but I'll leave it to the boy. Ernest, what shall I do with this man? Ernest had come forward and was standing but a few feet from Luke and his captive. If he promises to reform, said Ernest, you'd better give him another chance, Luke. I'm not sure that I ought to, but it is you to whom he has done the most harm. If you give him over to the miners, we shall never be troubled by him again. Tom Burns turned pale, for he knew that life and death were in the balance, and that those two, Luke and the boy, were to decide his fate. Ernest could not help pitying the trembling wretch. He was naturally kind-hearted, and at that moment he felt that he could forgive Burns all that he had done. "'Since you have left it to me, Luke,' he said, "'let him go.' It shall be as you say, Ernest. As he spoke, he released his hold, and Tom Burns stood erect. 
he breathed a deep sigh of relief. "'May I go?' he asked submissively. "'Yes.' Before leaving, he turned to Ernest. "'You are a kind and good-hearted boy,' he said, "'and I shall not forget that you have saved my life. "'If I am ever able to do anything for you, I will do it. "'You will find that Tom Burns, bad as he has been, "'knows how to be grateful.' "'I think you mean what you say.' returned ernest i hope you will keep your promise and will turn over a new leaf is it true that you are penniless not quite this is all i have burns drew from his pocket a handful of small change less than a dollar in all and held it out for inspection then i will help you along ernest took from his pocket a five-dollar gold piece and offered it to the tramp that is more than i would do for him said luke it is more than i deserve replied burns but you won't be sorry for your kindness if you ever see me again i shall be a different man he passed out of the window and they saw him no more luke and ernest said very little of their night's adventure but the gold watch and the mexican dollar were returned to the man from whom they had been taken six months passed Orville had doubled its population, the mines had yielded a large sum in gold dust, and the store presided over by Ernest was considerably enlarged. His services had been so satisfactory that Horace Ames, whose time was taken up elsewhere, had raised his share of the profits to one half. At the end of six months, besides defraying his expenses, Ernest found himself possessed of a thousand dollars luke i feel rich said he when his faithful friend came round for a chat you've done better than i have rejoined luke the most i have been able to scrape together is four hundred dollars i will give you a part of my money so that we may be even no you won't ernest what do you take me for mr ames has been very liberal and that is why i have got so much i don't feel that i ought to have so much more than you don't bother about me lad I feel rich with four hundred dollars. I never was worth so much before, though I'm almost three times your age, and I wouldn't have that but for you. How do you make that out, Luke? Because I never had any ambition till I met you. I never thought of saving money. As long as I got enough to eat, I cared for nothing else. I should have died without enough to bury me if you had not set me the example of putting something by for a rainy day. I am glad if I have done you any good, Luke, for you have been a kind friend to me. A week later, Luke came into the store, holding a letter in his hand. Here is a letter for you, Ernest, he said. I was passing the post office just now, when I was hailed by the postmaster, who asked me if I would take the letter to you. I didn't know that you had any correspondence. Nor I, Luke. I think it is the first letter I ever received. Whom can it be from? From someone who knows you are here. It is postmarked St. Louis. Well, I can easily discover who wrote it, said Ernest, as he cut open the envelope with his penknife. He turned at once to the signature and exclaimed, in great surprise, Why, it's from Tom Burns. The man who tried to rob the store? Yes. He has probably written to ask you for some money. No, Luke, you are mistaken. Here, I'll read it to you. The letter started thus. Ernest Ray, 
you will probably be surprised to hear from me. Let me begin by saying that I have kept the promise I made to you and Mr. Robbins when you let me off six months ago. I have turned over a new leaf and have been strictly honest ever since, as I promised you I would be. I won't trouble you with an account of my struggles to get along. I will only say that I am employed at present as a waiter at the Planters Hotel, and though I can't save up much money, I am able to live comfortably. But you will wonder why I am writing to you. It is because I have seen your name mentioned in an advertisement in one of the St. Louis daily papers. I enclose the advertisement, and hope it is something to your advantage. I have taken the liberty to write to Mr. Bolton, telling him where you were six months since, and I now write to you so that you may communicate with him also. Yours respectfully, Tom Burns. The advertisement appended ran thus. Information wanted. Should this meet the eye of Ernest Ray, sometime residing at Oak Forks, Iowa, he is requested to communicate with Benjamin Bolton, attorney at law, 182 Nassau Street, New York City. End of chapter 31